0: Here we are, it's another Tuesday night And it's time for Blog Talk Radio At The Catch And, and we, we're we trying to make The world better, but it, I tell you It just keeps looking like it's getting Worse uh, But we, we are here uh, Called of God To make a difference uh, Through the gospel of Jesus Christ Our Lord and Savior And uh, So in one way, it couldn't be a more exciting time, but it also couldn't be a more uh, critical time and uh, more confusing time. And that's why I'm especially excited about our guest for tonight, um, who uh, I I just think is, well, he's just one of the most brilliant people I know, and he's got his fingers in so many different things all over the world that uh, he can give us an incredible perspective on uh, on what's going on. Uh, Mike McCausland uh, uh, started his career as a licensed nuclear power plant reactor operator. I bet you don't know many of those. And uh, Mike is currently the founder and CEO of a leadership institute for entrepreneurs. Um, and uh, uh, that's gotten into... Many more things than just that, I'm sure, uh, if we had time to hear about that. And on the nonprofit side, Mike uh, spent a good deal of time um, in working in, uh, all over the world in developing, um, uh, launching global networks, and then tying them with disaster preparedness and response all over the world. So, um, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty incredible what this guy can talk about, but I, I tell you over, uh, m- over everything, he's a committed Christian. He has a prophetic gift and, uh, he's got an in-tried track on what God is doing in the world. I mean, give him a bunch of colored markers and a huge tablet of paper and he could tell you what God is up to in a in morning and, uh. And then probably the rest of the afternoon, we could hear about what's going to happen in the future. So this is going to be very exciting uh, half hour, and it's going to go by fast. So hang on uh, to your seats. And uh, uh, let me bring on uh, and welcome again to the Catch on Blog Talk Radio, Mike McCausland.
1: Welcome, Mike. Well, thanks, John. It's always good to be with you. I always love the discussion. So, thanks for having me back.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, gosh, uh, what a what a what a year, and, and what a world we have right now. Um, we've got uh, pandemic, uh, critical race theory, uh, an insurrection on the Capitol, um, riots. You name it, uh, it's it's been an incredible year. What What's going on, Mike?
1: Well, it has. It, you know, it's uh, something that was hard to see coming. I mean, you know, I spent uh, decades in the disaster response arena and running exercises and always trying to project some of the stuff that would occur. I, I led the private sector integration in Washington, D.C. for Department of Homeland Security in 2005 to bring the private sector to the table for the, for the largest disaster exercise in the nation. And we exercise different scenarios. Some are called the white house scenarios. And, you know, you run the exercises to try to predict stuff that would occur and, and then get ready for it. And, uh, some of this stuff uh, that's happened with COVID would have been very difficult to predict. And, uh, so it has been a very rough year. And uh, I think we still got quite a road ahead of us before, uh, you know whatever God has in store for the for yeah. the end of the ages here, I think uh, we've got a roller coaster ride. I don't think it's over. I think it's just beginning
0: yeah um you spent uh, a good part of this year um in the middle east you, you told me earlier uh you know we're over here we're kind of feeling like uh everybody's feeling somewhat euphoric I got the masks off and it's like it's over but uh, i doubt that that's the way it looks
1: in the rest of the world well you know we know so much more about covid than we did when it started uh back when it started and i i, I emailed all my family on january 26th of 20 and said uh, get ready get your supplies because this thing is Coming out of China, and they're locking down everybody, and and that was not normal no. behavior. So I knew something was going on. And yeah. uh, in the world today, there's still a lot of uh, uh, differences in the way countries handle it. I spent a month in Dubai in November, and it was opening up pretty well. And spent a month in Yemen in in around February, and uh, in in Yemen wasn't too bad either. But you know, different countries have gone up and down quite a bit. I'm working with a large company out of Ireland, and uh, they for months on end, three, four, five months, could only go like five miles from their house. And so, uh, you know, that was a very restricted uh area. And then India of course went up and down and back up again and and so but we do know a lot more about COVID. We know treatments for COVID and um and so a lot of the things that were done initially Um, We're done out of of precaution, not knowing exactly Mm -hmm. what the issues were, and I think we've learned a lot. So that's changed changed some of the response and some of the challenges. But um, COVID really uh, just impacted a much broader range of issues that, um, you know, we've been sitting in a precarious position, especially in the United States for a long time. I mean, when we ran the national level exercise in 2005, um, there was a, uh, every two-year a biennial assessment by the American Association of Engineers to assess our U.S. critical infrastructure, which is 27 areas of critical infrastructure and key resources, and we were rated in 2005 as a D-, hmm. and, it's, and it's not been fixed since then. So, uh, you know, we wow. get into a situation like COVID, and now, of course, we're all becoming familiar with the cyber attacks that are occurring, shutting down the colonial pipeline and, and uh, other uh, power utilities and things. So, you know, we're in a, in a challenging position because um, we have what's called a just-in-time logistics system in the United States. So one of our biggest concerns and challenges, I believe, and we've seen it, uh because of covid or covid brought it to brought it to the forefront is the just in time logistics supply chain uh if it is disrupted we can lose uh movement of goods very very quickly and so as we know we're seeing many yeah. many supply issues go ahead no keep going <laughs> yes so we're seeing many supply chain issues um you know, we're seeing wood, a two-by-four here now in Colorado Springs is $16. Uh, a sheet of plywood is 66 We all know the wood stuff when cars are going up, chips are going up. My son bought a computer about uh, eight, ten months ago. It's worth three times what he paid for it today. Um, hmm. I had a friend buy a vehicle, drive it off the lot. And, you know, you always buy a new vehicle, drive it off the lot, and you lose money on it the day you drive it off and mm-hmm. uh, he sold it for $10,000 more than he bought it the day he drove it off the lot. So, <laughs> you know, we're seeing a lot of impact of the supply chain and, um, and that leads to a whole lot of actions we should be thinking about to just take care of our families and be prepared.
0: <sighs> wow. Um, just, uh, just listening, listening to you starts to make my head swim a little bit. Um, wh- uh What do you think are the biggest concerns that just as regular citizens of the world and um, members of the kingdom of God uh, that that we need to be concerned about?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, when I think about about historical precedents of preparedness, I think everybody knows the story of Joseph. Uh, in Egypt, and they had seven years of good, and he stored up, and then they had seven years of bad, and uh, he saved the people and the nation from starvation, including his family, and so I think there's some precedence in in more than one way in the Bible about preparedness, and when you ask about the key issues, um, I think this just-in-time logistics system is one of the biggest concerns, because that leads to shortages. And so um, we have all kinds of issues with supply chain uh, shortages, and I can get into a little, uh, a few things on the thought on preparation. Um, But then the other thing I think that's a big issue and probably the foremost one, because, you know, when I look at disasters all over the planet, because, you know, with the disaster response network that we did, you're always looking at what are the possible and the probable disasters you could face, you know, they, Say, for example, Southeast Asia is the supermarket of disasters. You know, they have typhoons and earthquakes and and volcanoes and uh, all kinds of stuff happening down there. So being prepared down there is a big, big issue. And different places have different needs. I mean, most people don't know that I think something like 90% of the U.S., uh, population are in areas of high risk for certain kinds of disasters for their area. For example, in Colorado, it's fires. We were actually mandatory yeah. evacuated out of our house a couple of years ago because of the fires. And we had a few hours to leave. We may not come back to a house. So what do you take with you? You know, thinking through these things is important, but I think hmm. the biggest issue that we're facing right now, that's going to affect everyone everywhere is the issue of our U S currency. And so, as you know, uh, we've been printing trillions and trillions of dollars. Um, If we look at our track record, the U.S. debt has doubled every eight years for the last 40 years. That means it's doubled five times. And in the same period of time, our tax revenue, I think, has gone up six x. So, if you understand anything about doubling, you are on an exponential growth curve, and mm-hmm. so under Trump, we hit 20 trillion, which means under Biden over the next eight years of whoever's president, Biden will start it, We'll hit uh, 40 trillion. And so you know the 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 definition of inflation is not when the prices go up, but when the money is printed. So if you've got $1,000 and there's – or if you've got $100 and there's only $1,000 in circulation, you have 10% of all money. But if they print another 1000 now your $100 is only 5% of all money. So your money becomes worth less because there's more money ah. out there. Ah. So we're seeing all of this debasement of the currency, uh, or we could call it inflation, but – Uh, One of the ways that I think is a great example to understand it is if you took $35 out of your pocket in 1971, buried it in the ground, and took a a one-ounce gold piece, which was $35, and buried it in the ground and pulled them out today, how much do you think you could buy with that $35 as compared to 1971 – And uh, that $35 is still $35, but that one-ounce gold piece today is $1,900. So if you divide 35 by 1,900, you get a 98% loss of the U.S. dollar buying power since 1971. Wow. We've lost 98% of the buying power of the dollar. And again, we could call it inflation as well, but it's really debasement of the currency because we're printing more. If you took the same one-ounce gold piece in the year 2000 uh, and buried $300 in the ground and one ounce of gold, which was $300, and pulled them out today, 300 divided by 19 is about 85%. So just since the year 2000, we've lost 85% of the buying power of the U.S. dollar. Wow. So, you know, what that means to the average person is every day your dollar is worth less in purchasing power, and the curve is accelerating rapidly. Yeah. I mean, my son just texted me yesterday because he's aware of this. Now, he's only 25, but he's been paying attention to the prices going up. He works for a construction company. One of their wood flooring packages for a standard model home was 43000 It just went up to 148000 which is about a three and a half X 350% increase. He texted Uh me from McDonald's yesterday. He said, you know, I bought the same meal for years at different times at McDonald's. It's always been the same price today. It's gone up 15% today. Hmm. Hmm. So, you know, one of the biggest challenges with your money, if you have any, is and you've saved any? Is how do you preserve your wealth as the currency debases? Right? How do you preserve wealth? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the only way to do that is to put your money into assets that go up, you know, with the inflation. So mm-hmm. that's why a lot of people are putting their money into land. You mm-hmm. know, we're printing trillions of dollars; it's got to go somewhere. A lot of times, it would go into the stock market, but the stock market's got to break a record every day to make money. So, you know, people are not going into the stock market, they're going into land. So prices all across the whole United States, all properties going up like a rocket.
0: Hmm. Hmm.
1: So, you know, if you look at the concept I was talking about earlier with just-in-time logistics and knowing that we've got a problem that's probably Hmm. going to get worse before it gets better, especially with cyber attacks and things like that, then it would be wise to spend your extra cash on assets that will increase in value. So, for example, we could look at at food and water. You know, most people don't have a lot of stored food. And you don't need a lot, but you should have some. Uh, When we ran the national level exercise in 2005, right after the exercise, we had Hurricane Katrina. And uh, we took our whole team that had run the national level exercise down to Houston and ran response uh, for the the Katrina response for Houston, and we found people during the response efforts that went over 30 days without seeing another human
0: Mm. to help them. Wow.
1: Because we think in the United States that somebody's going to come rescue us, right? And not long after that, we had Superstorm Sandy up in the Northeast, and we found people there that had gone 30 days without anybody even showing up to say, how can we help? So, you know, we suggest, and I've been suggesting that people have at least a month's worth of food. I think three months is prudent. And the, the way you do that is you just buy food you already eat. Don't buy the long-term storage stuff. Just go buy what you eat and rotate your shelves. You know, buy the new stuff and put it in the back and rotate the stuff to the front. If your shelves aren't real big, store it in the basement or store it in a bedroom. Mm-hmm. But that's a good place to put some of your cash because if you put some of your cash – Uh, which is devaluing into food, all you're doing is buying it cheaper because tomorrow I guarantee you it's going to be more expensive.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Right? So that's something everybody can do. Just buy more food today that you're going to eat tomorrow and buy it at a cheaper price and you saved money.
0: (laughs) Wow. Um, What is a just-in-time? Can you explain that to me, Mike? Because I haven't heard that phrase before. Yes.
1: So just-in-time logistics system, um, in the uh, previous era of business, um, companies would buy a lot of inventory and store the inventory. And it takes a lot of money to buy it and store it, and it's not making any money while it's sitting in a warehouse waiting to be shipped. And so companies would buy inventory. Well, as we got to uh, tracking all of our sales digitally, so when you go to Walmart and you buy something and you scan it out at the register, it tells the stock data that it's down one of those items in their stock in the store. And so what they do is they monitor their inventory on the shelves, not in a warehouse, And when the inventory on the shelves gets low, they automatically reorder. So it's just in time. Just Mm. as you run out on the shelf, you got another order coming in. Whereas in the old days, you'd buy tons of those items and put them in a warehouse and ship them out of the warehouse as needed. But you had Mm. all this extra money in inventory. So the just-in-time inventory system allowed companies to not spend money on buying inventory ahead of time, but die, buy it right before you need it, and that was it. called just in time. Now that you know the, that backfired with COVID, because um, when the supply lines broke down, you know we had a period in LA where there was three, four hundred ships backed up in the harbor because they couldn't get them in. They couldn't get truck drivers to drive the shipments because you know everybody was on unemployment. They they laid people off because shipping dropped and. They paid them unemployment, so they didn't want to go back to work. They got as much for sitting at home as they did working, so they didn't have any drivers. So ships backed up in the harbor. And so we had a big supply line problem. Just in time didn't work anymore. Hmm. Now, when you run out, you're out. You don't know when you're getting it back. You could, you could go to the stores and ask people, when, when is this stock coming in? They'll say, I have no idea. We don't hmm. know. Hmm. Because the just-in-time inventory system is broken. And we learned back in the national level exercise that even the stores, the warehouses that provide the food for the stores, even the warehouses only have 72 hours worth of food. Uh, And, you know, if you're in Florida and there's a hurricane coming, they sell out of food immediately in an hour. And uh, and the warehouse that supplies that store has only got three days' worth of food. So one of the things we used to say is you're only 72 hours away from the end of life as you know it. So it does behoove you, it is is wise to have some preparation. You don't have to go overboard, but it's nice to have something so you don't have to think about it and worry about it if you have a one-month, you know, shutdown or backlog. Yeah, wow. Well, that is sure helpful, um, gosh. what
0: about uh, you know it, it, we're having we're hearing a lot about conspiracy theories these days, and I know you've always been interested in that. Um, is there any way we can tell what's a theory and what's fact?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, John. Um, you know, I don't know. The, the The term conspiracy theory was invented by the CIA to stop people or intimidate them from asking questions to try to understand and logically think through issues. And one of the biggest challenges we have today is to try to un- understand what's true. And uh, yeah. I've had this discussion with a lot of people because I search, I you know, I search a lot of different websites on a daily basis or track a lot of things. And one of the things I'll tell people to try to discern what's true or what's valid or what's a good source, because there's all these arguments about alternative news being bad sources of information where I think that they're probably the best sources, but you have to validate the quality of the news source. And here's some of the ways that I do it. One is, has this source of news been reliable and predictable and accurate in the past? Do they have a track record of of breaking news and um, and there are some that are very good at breaking news ahead of others and and they 're pretty accurate and pretty reliable so what 's their proven track record? Uh-huh. Uh, another question is, do you have different sources saying similar things so for example, not just echoing another person like this. Uh, news source just is echoing what somebody else said, but they have a different way of getting to data and information, so it's a different source. And do you have different sources confirming that the same thing is true? And so uh, I, I think that's another really important thing to to you know to try to validate the stories. Okay. But, um, the biggest one is a proven track record, and so okay. there are um, a lot of. Um, a lot of uh, misinformation in data. And I think uh, some of that's on purpose um, by different sources. And that's one of the biggest things we faced with COVID in the early days was to try to figure out what was true or not. And mm-hmm. so when you get valid sources telling you something that have had proven credibility in the past, and then you get multiple sources coming out from all different uh, information streams saying similar things now you've got something that starts to have some good credibility to it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I've seen that with COVID on a lot of different things. And, of course, we could get off into huge discussions with COVID and all that. But um, but that's part of what I do is look for those, those patterns of proven credibility and then multiple sources uh, heading in the yeah. same direction to say that there's probably strong validity that that's true.
0: You know, we are – as a country Mike we're so divided and uh it it uh you look at what happens is that people don't listen to multiple sources they listen to the ones that tell them what they want to hear um based on what they already believe um yeah yeah what can we do about that um Do you you think we need to listen to the other side, too, or, you know?
1: Well, I think uh, that we need to be able to have logical debate, and that's the greatest challenge right now, because people that um, are not interested in learning, it's difficult to have logical debate and logical discussion with them. If somebody's truly open to learn, Um, you can have great discussions, and you can – You know, uh, go through a lot of learning process because, you know, I'm always very open to learn, but it's very difficult to talk to somebody that uh, is not interested in learning and they're only interested in saying what they believe. You know, I think I'm reminded of the proverb, Mm. don't cast your pearl before swine because they'll turn and trample you. You know, they really don't care about the truth, um, whatever that truth might be. They care about their opinion and being heard. And uh, and that makes for a very difficult um, relationship or building some kind of platform that we can come together on. I mean, there's so much, as you said, so much division today, and uh, a lot of the stuff that's out there is really uh, built to create that division, uh, not open logical debate where we can have discussions about things and learn from one another.
0: Mm. Mm. What do you think? Uh, we're almost out of time, Mike. So let's look. Let's look. At, look ahead. Let's look at the future. What? What do you think? Um, it, it, are thing Are we really in the last days, and are things going to continue to get worse, or do you think we could actually uh, get to a place where we kind of things might, uh, you know, reach an even plane for a little while and. Uh, you understand what well, I'm saying?
1: It's a hard. Yeah, it's a hard question because who men yeah. who knows the the time or the hour? Although yeah. Jesus did say that um, that we could be wise and discern the times. We may not know the hour or the day, but we should see the yeah. trend. Children of Issachar search the scriptures daily that they may know the signs of the times. And so, if I look at the signs of the times and I look at the challenges that we face. I think the Bible is clear there will be a generation that goes through escalating uh, challenges. Mm -hmm. And we seem to be going through that. I don't personally see an end in sight out of some of the challenges that we face, like the currency debasement. There's only one logical end to that. Mathematically, there isn't any other option. You can't exponentially grow debt and not grow the revenue stream like taxes that pay it off and uh, and live you know in debt and print more money to get out of debt that doesn 't work and so um, i, I don 't see an end to this that that ends well i don 't see a soft landing now at the same time you mentioned it earlier. I think these are some of the greatest days to be alive if we have hope and faith in uh, in jesus and in in that God is our provider and you know you asked earlier you know what should we be doing i think we need to be about our father's business we need to share mm-hmm. the good news um you know that christ did pay for our sins and that he can bring us peace and joy and comfort in the middle of the storms and uh, you know he said in matthew not to worry about what you're going to eat or where or you know because he knows we need we have need of those things so i think uh, there may be challenges ahead, but, you know, the church in China flourished significantly under great persecution. Yeah. So persecution is not necessarily bad. The the, the apostles uh, spread the church across the known world because of persecution um, and did wow. it with joy. But it does put you in a place where you need to be relying on, connected with, and listening to God's leading. Wow.
0: Well, Mike, this is fa- fabulous. Th- thank you so much. Um, it's been the fastest half hour I've spent in a while. So, <laughs> thanks for taking us through a kind of a quick view of what's going on. And but, boy, we end up we end up with the Lord. We end up in the same place as far as the gospel of Jesus Christ that we all all need and uh, need to spread the word. So, uh, thanks for. Thanks for helping us think
1: through some of these things, Mike. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure, John. It's good to be on. Always good to talk with you. And, you know, I'm always open to to doing more. Half an hour goes by awful quick. Some of these (laughs) discussions you could go off for days, and we do. We have a lot of fun, um, you know, trying to understand where we're going and what we're doing. And, of course, all of that leads back to following God. So thanks for what you're doing. Appreciate it.
0: All right. And, and the same goes for you, Mike God bless And, and uh, bless your work May it increase Thank you so much Thanks, John All right. Thank you, bye-bye Well, there you go, folks uh, Boy, a lot to think about uh, Definitely A lot going on And a lot we need to be Conscious of But Also A lot to focus on and keep our eye on Jesus, author and perfecter of our faith, and the one who will be with us today, tomorrow, and for eternity. Wow. It's uh, good news that we have such a knowledge and such a Lord with us. So God bless you all. Go back and listen to it again. There's a lot here to learn from, and uh, a lot of practical upstairs. stuff. I
1: hear her upstairs.
0: Take on, take on what we need to do. So, God bless you. Come back next week for another issue of Blog Talk Radio, The Catch. God bless you. Bye-bye.